0: All right. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Doing all right? All right. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Um, and if you are a guest, thank you so much for being here. We really want to, uh, to say that over and over again. Thank you for coming. And uh, we want you to make yourself at home. I will tell you, it is hot in this room. That is not the case, okay? Normally, it's not the case. So if you're a guest, please know that we do typically have AC. Our AC for this room is broken right now. So please bear with us. If you... Uh, Yeah, sorry. If you're a sweater like me, then you, I mean, I can relate. (laughs) I will probably be sweating from the stage. Um, How many think that AC should just last forever? It should just never break, right? It really shouldn't. And I don't know about you. I, I tend to have, if you can relate with me, I tend to have a conservationist mindset with most things in life. I always think about how can I get the most out of something, right? How many, how I always want to get the most years out of an appliance, or, you know, I've been driving my Jeep for 14 years now, and it's still working, so I'm really happy about that. I want to eke out every last bit of energy that I can get out of certain things, you know? Even when it comes down to shampoo, like, anybody here, they'll take, I mean, we got one of those pump shampoos, and we'll take off the lid, and I will dump it until it is all gone, right? Okay, so that's the way I work. That's the way my brain works. I'm a conservationist. So there are just certain things that we just feel should last forever, but... The older I get, the more that I realize, wow, okay, there are certain things that just do not last. Pretty much everything. (laughs) So uh, we're going to get into the message today. We've been doing this series for, I think this is week four now, on the Word of God. And this whole series is centered out of Psalm 19, and specifically we're talking about the Word of God, the Bible, and just trying to understand it, um, see what Psalm 19 has to say about the Bible itself. So I want to invite you, we've been in this practice for the last four weeks um, to stand, and we're going to read Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. And I did pick a different translation just today. It's, it's really beneficial. If you don't do this regularly, I'd encourage you to read from different translations because it helps bring some things to light, right? We're trans- translating ancient languages into modern English. Sometimes people have a different, slightly different way to do it that resonates a little bit more. But I want to read Psalm 19, verse 7 through 14 from the ESV, my rock, and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Man, you can have a seat. All right. Well, today we're focusing in on verse nine of that section. So verse nine reads, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. So the word that we're gonna stick with this morning is everlasting. The word of the Lord is everlasting lasting, unlike the AC in this building. <laughs> so I want to get this out of the way, just in case you're like me. If you read and something sticks out to you and jumps, to the weed, that seems a little off. I want to call something out. So in this uh, translation specifically, it says the fear of the Lord is clean. I don't know about you, but when I was reading this, I was like, wait, okay, that's not actually talking about Scripture, is it? It seems like the rest of it is, but this seems out of place. So I did a little bit of research, and I just wanted to, to give you a heads up um, as we go forward in case this is a hang up, it was for me that actually it's not unusual for the biblical authors to use the phrase the fear of the Lord to actually talk about scripture. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's not unusual. And especially here because it's in a list of synonyms, right? We have the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, and then it goes the fear of the Lord, right? That's the one that stuck out to me and then the rules of the Lord. So it's in this list of synonyms, so I just wanna get that out there that we are, this verse is actually talking about the word of God. It's not just talking about our fear or our reverence for God, but it is talking about the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is everlasting. Plus, we have other instances in the Bible where it says of itself that it is eternal, like Psalm 119, verse 89. It's not like, gonna be on the screen, but like, that's an example if you're writing notes. It says, the eternal, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. But what does this mean? What does it mean for the word of the Lord to be everlasting or eternal? That's what I want to explore with us this morning. What does that even look like? What does that even mean? How do we wrap our minds around that? And I think one of the the easiest ways to go about this is to start with the source. Right? So one of the passages that we've brought up a few times in this series, it's a really popular one, really great one to memorize, is 2 Timothy 3.16. Basically says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. God is the source. So if we're going to figure out what does it look like for the Bible to be eternal, we've got to look to its source in God. So God is eternal, for some of us, this may seem obvious, but it's true. God is eternal. Genesis 1.1 tells us, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. There was an actual beginning. So that's the first point I want to draw our attention to, is that time came into an existence. There is a point, and this is hard for us to wrap, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I can't say there was a point in time. Time was created. It is a creation of God and God is not not dependent on time. There was a beginning because God made sure that there was a beginning. So I wanna give you an illustration here. We tend to think about time like a timeline. So is this helpful for everybody? Can you see this? So we we tend to think, okay, here's past, here's future, or maybe present, here's future. Time goes and it actually just continues on and on and on. Just keeps going. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) Didn't think you'd be that impressed by that, (laughs) okay. Um, So when we look at time, one, we are completely dependent on time, right? We live in time. So let's say this is the present moment, right? This is where we are at. We cannot travel one way or the other, right? We are just right here, and time is continuing on, and we go along with it. But it's helpful for us to view time in a timeline. So we can look back to the past, and we can see the events that have come before us, and we can anticipate the future, But for us, we look at timelines. For God, he's like me holding the stick. God can play with it. He can spin it around. He can come back and live in the past if he wants. He can come and live in the future if he wants. And he can actually take the whole thing and look at it all at once. You see that? So I'm hopeful that this will be a, a, a helpful analogy for us today because we find passages in scripture like Psalm 90 verse 4, another psalm, says, for you, for God, a thousand years are as a passing day. Why? Because he can hold time like this. He can see it all at once. Peter takes this up again and, and adds his own little twist to it in 2 Peter verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 8. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. He flips it and then flips it back, and a thousand years is like a day. God, God created time. He can play with it all he wants. He can see it all at once. I want to give you a quote from a guy named A.W. Tozer. If you haven't read anything from him, he's a phenomenal theologian and writer. Um, This comes from a book of his called Knowledge of the Holy, one of my favorites. Um, It's really short, but it'll take you a year to get through. (laughs) Um, Anyways, he's reflecting on this psalm, Psalm chapter 90, verse 2. This phrase, he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He was reflecting on this phrase, and in this, Tozer says this He says, The mind looks backward in time till the dim past vanishes, then turns and looks into the future till thought and imagination collapse from exhaustion. And God is at both points unaffected by either. God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows as he has lived all our yesterdays. For him, everything that will happen has already happened. That's a pretty eloquent way to try to capture the concept of eternity. But this is the author of Scripture. That's the author of the book that we get to hold in our hands, these words, so when we, on, when we want to understand what does it mean for this to be everlasting, we look to the God who sourced it. God is transcendent, right? That's a, that's a, a nice, fancy theological word to describe this. God is transcendent. He transcends time and space in the sense that he's not limited by them. And I, I want to, any, any theology nerds in the room at all? Just me? Okay, I see a couple. All right. Just in case, if you ever, has anybody heard the phrase that God exists outside of time? Okay, that's actually wrong. God is not limited by time. God can absolutely exist in time if he wants to. You see the difference? God is transcendent, but he can also come into and live in time with us and interact with us. He chooses to do it all the time, and he's done it all throughout scripture, and the most clear picture of that is Jesus. The God of the universe who transcends time came and stepped into time to become one of us and to live a life on this earth. He subjected himself to time. So I just thought that was a fun little tidbit. God doesn't exist outside of time. He can. He often does. But he he can manipulate time however he wants. But God's speech, this God that we're talking about, this God's speech is powerful. Stuff happens, right? When we, when we read Genesis 1, we see that God's word literally just creates everything. He chooses to do that by his word. And again, in 2 Peter, Peter writes this in chapter 3, verse 5. He says, God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. God brought out creation by speaking it. Those same words are here in this book. So when we see God gives us his words, when God, God does not exist in time, unless he wants to. Uh, I'm fumbling over my words here. Yesterday was a long day. It was a fun day. So next year, I want all of you to be there. It was so much fun. Um, but because God is not limited by time, neither is his word. This is a part of him. God's Word is everlasting. That's how the author of Hebrews can say that that Scripture is alive and active. The Word of God is alive and active. Brian touched on that verse last week. How can it be alive and active? No other book is alive. The Bible is alive because it's not limited by time. It's everlasting. It continues to move. It holds power. It creates Beyond that, it has healing power. It has restorative power. It can convict us. It can speak to us. God can use this word to do more than we can possibly imagine. These are the words from his mouth. And what that means for us is that no other word is everlasting. This is it. This is the only thing in creation that we have that we know will last forever. And we see Jesus said this himself. When Jesus was walking the face of this earth, doing his ministry, in Luke chapter 21, verse 33, he says, heaven and earth will pass away. Have you ever thought about that? That's an interesting thought. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus says, my words will never pass away. They are everlasting Even heaven and earth will pass away at some point. God will wipe them away and recreate everything, but his word will always be with us. So think about it. What other words do we hear or listen to today? Right, news, social media, I don't know, talk shows, podcasts. We we are inundated with communication today. It's everywhere, right? Sometimes it's just really hard just to get away from it at all, and to to be silent, and to be still, pretty much all the words we hear on a day-to-day basis will fade. They're temporary. The Word of God will never pass away. It's everlasting. And I also want to encourage us to think about this. God's Word is everlasting, but so are we. You ever thought about that? We are everlasting. Maybe you have. Maybe you're like, oh yeah, I know that. But have you ever really, really sat in that and reflected in what does it mean that I am an everlasting being? God created us at a point in time, but we are designed to live throughout all of eternity with him. Still in time, but we will be everlasting. And so that raises some questions, I think, for me. Um, The biggest thing that it, it... causes me to think about, is, is where are my priorities? What am I living for? Like what, what do I actually devote my time to? Where are my priorities in this life? I want to give you another illustration here just to try to wrap our minds around this. Let's see where this thing starts. If you're wondering why I have this, it's an Ethernet cable.) <laughs> There's a long story behind that. Anyway, it's the longest thing I could find. So let's pretend that this is time, right? Here's the start of time. God creates in the beginning. And then time continues on, continues on. Maybe he he creates everything that we know and see. Maybe he creates people at some point in time. And then maybe we'll get to about here. Maybe this is our lifetime, right? We're born here. We die here. But we don't cease to exist, right? We all die, But we don't stop existing. We will either exist with Jesus forever or we will exist apart from him. But again, this this can represent our life here on earth. But the thing is, time keeps going. Keeps going and going and going and going. And we have the opportunity to spend all of this time with Jesus. All of it. And by this point, you should see that everything that we lived for on this earth is long gone, right? It's long gone, but we know it goes with us. It's the word of God. I think eternity might be a little tangled like this too. I don't really know. I can't understand it. Okay, anyway, I'm not gonna keep going. There's a lot more of this left, so. It just keeps going, okay? So, hey Randy, would you take care of that for me? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I want to pull from Tozer again. Um, Tozer puts it this way. He says, we who live in this nervous age, that's a great way to describe the day and age we live in, this nervous age, we would be wise to meditate on our lives and on our days long and often before the face of God and on the edge of eternity. For we are made for eternity as certainly as we are made for time. And as responsible moral beings, we must deal with both. We've got to deal with it. We just do. Brian mentioned this last week. Um, kind of stole it, but I'll forgive him later. Uh, when we get to eternity, do you really think we're going to be done with this book? I don't know. Like some people, I, I can't remember if I've heard people say this before, but I think it's, it's an easy place to get to for us as Christians to get to this point where like, well, I'm going to, be, I'm going to spend all of eternity with Jesus, so I won't need his word. I can talk to him face to face. Okay, but these are his words, and these are eternal. These are part of him, right? In the same way, if, if my wife writes me a lot of love letters, she's, ri- she, she's kind of slowed down these days, but, you know. <laughs> Alex, <no. laughs> Brian's telling me no. I know. She, ri- she writes notes to me a lot more than I do her, so. <laughs> um, anyway, I save, I know, I'm still learning. I save love letters from my wife. Why? Because I love her and because I delight in the words that she has given to me. So when we get to heaven, like honestly, when we spend eternity with Jesus, we we should be cherishing this all the more. And we're gonna understand his word a whole heck of a lot more because we'll get to talk with him and we will get to have a real, in-depth, face-to-face interaction relationship with Jesus and we can ask him direct questions and he'll give us direct answers. But we should delight in this. Why? This is the gospel. This is our salvation. This describes God, what he has done throughout all of history, what he's done for us. These are his very words, his teaching. We should cherish this above all else and know that we will get to take this into eternity with us. I kind of hope by the time we get there that we'll just want to read it over and over and over and over again because in doing so, we will get to know our God that much closer. This book is everlasting. And so what does it look like to responsibly deal with this, as Tozer put it, right? As moral beings basically saying like, hey, we we are concerned with right and wrong, right? We hear this all the time. Well, that's right and that's wrong and this is right and that's wrong. We hear this all the time and people have different value systems today, but again, we have this internal sense of right and wrong. There is a right and there is a wrong. And so to be able to handle this responsibly comes to this question of, okay, how do I live my life right now if it means that I'm going to live forever? with or without Jesus? How should I live my life right now? And when we look at it, I I honestly think one of the biggest questions this comes down to for me, especially as we're talking about God's word, is whose voice are you listening to? Whose word are you listening to these days? It's like I said, there's communication everywhere. I don't know how many podcasts are in existence right now, but I I get overwhelmed sometimes when I open up my podcast app looking for something to listen to. It's overwhelming. The news is constantly running. Social media is constantly going. People post incessantly, (laughs) sometimes about things that are meaningful, sometimes about things that just make no sense. But we are inundated with words. So what do you listen to? Do you listen to the news more than you read the Bible? Because the news is temporary. It's extremely temporary. Anybody remember the West Nile virus? Why don't we talk about that anymore? I, I get really curious about that sometimes. Like, there's still mosquitoes around. I think the West Nile virus is still a thing, but there was a point in time where that's all that anybody ever talked about all the time because it was in the news cycle. That's temporary. The Zika virus, that was another one. There was like, anybody remember that one? Parents of small children, that was a big deal, right? We don't talk about it anymore. I think it's still a thing. It's when you start to reflect on those things, you realize how much does news and social media and podcasts and talk radio, how much do those voices dictate the way we think and dictate the way that we live? I'm not saying these things are bad. What, I'm, what I want to call us to is, is this, an evaluation of our priorities. What are we listening to more? Are we, are we really listening to the word of God? Are we really investing ourselves here into the words that will never pass away? You know, the second part of the, of the verse that we're focusing on today says that the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They're true. And if this is everlasting, this will never be outdated. This will never be outdated. This will always be relevant. This will always speak truth to us. We can trust this book always. I know we have a lot of science fans in the room And I don't want to bash science, but I want to help us to realize that, what, science is run by people, right? We're in time. There are things that were taught when I was in high school that are not taught anymore. I mean, Pluto's not a planet anymore. That makes me sad, okay? (laughs) It's outdated. Like, there is a point where science progresses, and there's a point where we can look in the past and say, oh, yeah, well, we considered that science back then, but that is outdated. We know better now. We will never look back at the word of God and say, oh yeah, that was outdated back then. It just won't happen. This will always be true. This will always be relevant. So why don't we spend more time here? Why don't we give more weight to these words than than the people that we subscribe to on social media or YouTube or talk show radio? Again, those things are not bad. But as I was preparing for this morning, I, that was the biggest thing that I was convicted with is, wow, like, I spend so much more time in these other aspects of life than I do here. The reality is that most Christians don't read their Bibles very much. It's just true. There are plenty of Christians that do read their Bibles a lot, but most Christians don't read it very much. If at all, you've heard us from stage before, mentioned this before. You know, like when we really want to encourage you to get in your Bible. Of course, of course, there's always a starting point, right? If you don't read your Bible at all right now, a great starting point is to start five minutes a day. Read a chapter a day. Start there. But as many times as you've heard that from the stage, I just wonder, like, is it really that hard to ask for more? Is it really that hard to expect? Christians who have been saved from death, who have been made alive by the truth recorded in this book by the God of all creation who stepped into time, put on human flesh, lived the life we were supposed to live and died the most brutal death we've ever seen in history for us. Is it that hard to to expect us to read our Bibles more than we watch Netflix? And I'm preaching to myself here. Hear me on that. I don't want to shame us. I just want to call us to something higher. If we say we follow Jesus, we have to listen to his voice, first and foremost, above everything else. Because otherwise, the loudest voice is what's going to get our attention. We're inundated with voices and it's always, it always tends to be the loudest voice that gets our attention. That's one reason why I think that social media and just online discourse in general is so angry and charged all the time because angry speech is loud. It gets a charge from you. That's what we tend to listen to. That's what tends to get us fired up, either in agreement or in disagreement. But we know, especially reading stories like Elijah, Um, God often speaks in a quiet, small, still voice. Sometimes I think, I mean, not sometimes, I think most of the time we as Christians, we want God to be loud. We want him to. We'll be like, well, yeah, I will follow Jesus as soon as he tells me to do something. Like if, if Jesus told me to go, I don't know, feed the poor this weekend, I would do it. But what we're expecting is for an audible voice to, to make it unbelievably clear, that's what I want you to do. We wait because we want God's voice to be loud. But in any good relationship, like, God wants to be wanted as well. Like, if I wait for Amanda to yell at me before I do stuff in the house, that's probably not going to be a good relationship, Right? There are plenty of times where Amanda just wants me to do something nice for her and she's not necessarily gonna voice that, but if I do, she'll delight in that, right? She loves foot rubs, I I just, I wrestle with that. (laughs) Maybe once or twice I have willingly started to rub her feet on my own and that like made her weak. (laughs) But if I wait for her to demand it from me, that's not a good situation. So I'm not trying to throw her under the bus <laughs> at all. She's way better than me in like every aspect of life. But I want to call us to something higher because if we believe in Jesus, what do we believe? We believe that he raised us literally from death to life. There's a common phrase out there that, that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He, co- he came to make dead people live. That's the gospel, right? And if we've really, truly been transformed by the word of God, by the work that Jesus did on the cross, how can we not just lay down everything we have at his feet and say, we're yours. We are yours and we will listen to your voice and we will go where you lead. And I think some of us might need that reminder this morning. I've been, I've been a Christian for, geez, how long has it been now? But like, I think I've been like faithfully walking in my faith for about 15 years now. And I have a story where God saved my life in a, in a massive car accident. And he radically changed my life. For the first few years of me following, following Jesus, my life was exciting. I could feel him so, so clearly. I heard him speak all the time. I dove into the word all the time. And 15 years in, I have found plenty of seasons along the way where I just get inundated by all the voices around me and I can fall back into my default mode of living. And some of us in this room, might be in a, you might be in a season like that and you might need to be shaken a little bit again and realize I gotta, I gotta straighten out my priorities. I have gotta make the word of God pri- the, the top priority in my life and submit myself to these words because they will always be true. They are everlasting. They will never pass away. And in them is transformation power. There's life, this word is alive and active and it will move in your life if you let it. Jesus will use this book to speak to you, to challenge you, to move you, to to take you to places that you would have never dreamed before. But God's not gonna force that on you. He's inviting you to do it but he will not force you into that. So I want to spend this last section of our morning talking about a spiritual discipline that has been often ignored, especially nowadays, um, and that's scripture memorization. Um, Anybody here ever memorize a verse from the Bible? A lot of hands going up. Good. Awesome. It's okay if you haven't yet, but I'd encourage you to try it. You know, some of us know, like, the really popular ones. You know, I, I mentioned 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. That's one that I know a lot of people try to memorize. John 3.16. The 3.16s. There's a lot of good 3.16s out there. But we memorize Scripture, and, and that's a lot, kind of a, a, a waning practice. Why? I don't want to blame the Internet, but it's kind of the Internet's fault. Right? Because oh, so my, my generation is the first generation raised with the Internet. I remember about like 10-ish, 11 11 years old when the internet started becoming widely available and my friends were talking about email addresses and I'm like, what is an email? Is that like, is that a different box? Like, I I was so confused. But I was about 10 or 11 years old and I finally got hooked up to the internet and I remember a little AOL running man right? And you just wait, I don't know, 10 minutes for the thing to, to fire up. But it worked. And I got an email. And, you know, I remember when MySpace came out, it was like the first social media platform. And I didn't, they did not give any kids any training on how to use that properly and responsibly. But then the internet just blew up. And what happened is we now had access to any piece of information that we wanted. So what, what, there was a major shift in our culture, right? Now, And I've seen this, at least in my own education, but we train people on how to access information, not how to retain it, right? I think about phone numbers. I've talked to some people and, okay, I might mean a little bit of shame here. If you don't know your own phone number, please learn your own phone number. (laughs) I've met people that don't, I ask them, hey, what's your phone number? Like, "Uh, I don't know, let me share you a contact card. I'm sorry, but please just memorize your own own phone number. but we don't have to memorize phone numbers anymore. There used to be a day where you had to know the phone numbers that you wanted to call and type them in every single time. I still remember a handful of my friends' phone numbers growing up, just a couple, but we're we're taught on how to access information, right? Now we have a contacts app. We don't need to have a, a phone book or we don't need to memorize phone numbers, but we are taught on how to access information, not retain it, and I think what happens is, inadvertently, Christians, we've done the same thing with the Bible, right? If we know how to access this, then we don't have to memorize it, right? I could just pop up Google and search, you know, verses on eternity, and I'll get his giant list, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing tool. We have unbelievable tools at our fingertips. But that's not a substitution for retaining these words in your mind and in your heart. It's just not. Psalm chapter 119, 9 through 11 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Young person, right? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, that's the value in it. The value in retaining scripture, in memorizing scripture, is that it becomes a part of you. You store it up and you hide it in your heart. It's not just head knowledge at that point, it becomes heart knowledge. It changes the way that you live. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit can access scripture so much more quickly if you have memorized it. It can bring it up at the perfect time when you need to hear it. I don't know about you, I've experienced that many times in my life where I'll just, you know, I don't know. I'll find myself in a set of circumstances and a verse will just pop to my mind. And I could chalk that up to coincidence, but I could also chalk that up and like, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. I need to hear that right now. That's the verse I need right now for this situation. That's the truth that I need. So I want to encourage you, when we memorize God's words, we are literally taking what will never pass away and we are integrating this into our lives forever. It will not pass away. It won't. So I wanna encourage you, shoot for, I mean, trying to make this tangible, right, because this, 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 this might require some massive shifts from some of us, but what would it look like to take one day this week, just one day, and actually clock it out. Like, spend more time in your Bible than looking at this silly screen. What would that look like? And I will promise you, if you, if you really invest in the Bible, I will promise you, that you will see God move. If you, if you feel like you have a mediocre faith right now, read your Bible. Get into it. Invest in this book. I don't know, I, I haven't met anybody that wants a mediocre marriage, that wants a mediocre friendship, right? When we, when we build these relationships, we want them to be amazing, right? When you come to Jesus, do you want your faith to be mediocre or do you want it to be amazing? It comes when you invest in this book. When you listen to the words of the God who created you and formed you and saved you. So take a day this week and just dive in. See what that looks like. Maybe for some of you, it's, it, that should look like memorizing a passage of scripture. I was actually doing this a little bit this morning, so if this, we'll see how this goes. I'm gonna, quick test, self test here, okay. Psalm 19, seven through 10. So I didn't didn't get the whole section we covered today, but seven through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord Oh, well, here we go. I'm pausing. Rules, <laughs> the rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More desirable are they than gold, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, even drippings from the comb. I've stumbled a little bit through. I did that this morning. If you devote yourself We've been asking you to consider every single day for this series, so six weeks total. If you haven't started, you can still start late, but every single day to read, just once through Psalm 19. Maybe add a little bit to that and say, I'm gonna memorize this Psalm by the end of the series. You can do that. If you can teach yourself to retain God's word, it will go with you every single moment of every single day. It'll be a part of you, and God will speak to you that much more clearly. Uh, All right, let's stand and pray. And then we'll continue to worship. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Thank you for your word. We are inundated by voices and words and communication every moment of every day. And I ask that you would help us to to prioritize your word, to find ways to listen to your voice above everything else. Would you speak to us and honor the times when we get into your word? And Jesus, more than anything, would you help us to know, not just at a head level, but at a heart level, the truth of your word? We would know the gospel, what you've done for us on the cross, that you truly love us more than we can possibly imagine. Help us to know these truths, to trust in them, and to live accordingly as your children. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your word, that it'll never pass away, and that we can hold on to it firmly and trust in it with everything that we are. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.